0: I just—I think we're just a better team, honestly. Uh, we got better players, uh, you know. Um, now that doesn't result in wins. You know, I've been on teams that are really talented that that, that underperformed, um, you know. So uh, I just really believe in our group. Close—it's a close group, you know. Football—you gotta be tight. You gotta do it together. Whacking that thing around. That's not all in the math. You know, I got because it's getting him thinking.
1: Right, oh, right, right, right I, right. I think it's good stuff. They're going to bring some pressure against Carl in the pocket. Moving to his left. He just throws it up for grabs. A jump ball.
0: And dirty Dan Sorensen with the pickoff. That boy's duck yeah. He's he scared. He he scared. scared. He's he scared. He's going to Things got testy. Uh, we knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook. And you and saw on on CeCe's sack. He was pretty much curling into a ball before we even got back there. So... Um, Great dude, great player. He's been having a great year, but we know once you get pressure on him, he kinda shuts down and he's not as effective with the with the crowded pocket. So uh that was that was the key to it.
2: I just crush my dreams.
0: Boom. Sadness. That's
3: the one. Did it, real quick here, did you see the update? What's the update? Golden Knights game is on. Oh, it's on. The Golden Knights. We will welcome you to the
2: fortress tonight. Well, as of now. The Golden Knights tweeted that? Yes. All right. I don't know if that means anything. Does their social media handle? Do they actually know? I don't know. Dave Shane says it looks like the game's up. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. Um, (laughs) We'll find out when the rest of those tests come in. That might just be a scheduled tweet. Um, (laughs) McPhee running down the hall right now. The tests aren't back. (laughs) Does anybody in the AFC West respect Derek Carr? You just heard a couple of pieces of audio there. Uh, One... From a couple weeks ago, Joey Bosa, who basically said once we hit him a few times, he gets really shook. But the second one was after Daniel Sorensen of Kansas City picked off Derek Carr on Sunday.
0: That boy yeah. took a duck. It up.
2: <laughs> so we have Kansas City on the sideline yelling about Carr being scared and throwing a duck. And we have Joey Bosa after a game saying that Carr curled into a ball before getting sacked and that he gets shook. Once you hit him a few times. Is this, I, is this I mean, it? I think it's great.
3: Not for Derek Carr, but well, I think it's not a, at all. I do think it's hilarious that these guys are saying these things. I mean,
2: these are the two AFC West yes. games they've played. Derek Carr hasn't played well in either one of them. And both opponents have at some point, whether it be in, a, in an actual press conference or just on the sideline, basically pointing out Derek Carr is playing Scared. Do you think there's a lot of this across the league
3: and we just don't hear it? Yes. Oh yeah. I think there's a lot of this where people just rip guys and we have no idea they think that.
2: No doubt about it. But how many times do you think they say the other team's quarterback is scared? Like to me, it's that, it's that that word.
3: That's a word that you don't hear a lot. I mean, you might say they stink.
2: Yeah. And especially given that Joey Bosa earlier said he gets shook when he's under pressure, basically the same thing,
3: basically
0: scared,
2: basically Derek Carr doesn't handle pressure and throws a duck against Kansas city or curls into a ball against the chargers.
0: I'm trying to remember who was the quarterback who basically came out. I want to say it may have been Sam Darnold who just came out and basically, went, oh yeah, I'm seeing ghosts yeah. out here. Oh, Sam yeah. Darnold with the Jets. And yeah. It's just like, yeah. I don't think you should admit that.
3: Yeah. Does he play in a way that we can translate? He's scared. Yeah, think so. Yeah,
2: I mean, the, the we haven't seen it as much this year, but absolutely. When the biggest criticism of Derek Carr is that he plays scared. I wonder he, if it's because
3: of the injuries. That
2: he plays un, when he's under pressure, he plays scared. That he throws the check downs. Or, I mean, hell, we had it two years ago or three years ago when he threw the ball away on fourth down. Threw oh, the ball you out of I do remember that. I think that
3: was against Detroit.
2: Yeah. He threw it like three three uh, uh, rows into the yeah. stands. Fourth down, he threw the ball away. Yeah. Like you're going for it on fourth down. You've got to convert. You've at least, who cares if you throw a pick? Right. And, uh, I guess to his credit, the duck he threw that Kansas City picked off, at least he threw it down the field. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> He he threw it. He it, out. it But like, yeah, that's, that's been one of the criticisms of him is that he plays scared. And when you get pressure on him, he'll throw it away. He'll take a sack or check he'll, it. he'll check it down for a two yard gain on third and 11. And you're like, Oh, okay. All of those are wins for the defense. He doesn't make the play. He doesn't, Hey, here comes doesn't the extend pressure. it. I'm going right. to make
0: the play despite it. I will say also when he, he doesn't scramble often, but when he does, if it's on third down, I don't see him get it very often because he's not willing to be like, all right, I'm going to He's not going to take anyone on. Right. He always does the run out of bounds, stick it out. Did I make it? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fair criticism. Now, when he played, the the big change for Derek Carr early in the season was that he was dealing with pressure. He was under pressure a lot. Mm -hmm. He was stepping up in the pocket. He was making the throws down the field. So we've seen a little bit, small sample size this year of him doing that. If he gets back to that, Raiders have a chance, right? Their offense can be good again, but we've seen throughout his career that that's more likely than not what's going to happen for Derek Carr.
0: So something that I am curious about is and you guys have obviously studied the offensive line a little more closely than I have, but one of the criticisms I see are one of the explanations for criticism of Derek Carr that I've seen is well, look how bad our offensive line was. And it, In my brain, it's like, isn't the offensive line at this point the best it's been all season comparative Probably. to week 1 yeah. where he was really good and they were awful which
3: is amazing cuz it's all relative and they stunk so bad in the beginning i don't know what and pro football focus rankings we had yesterday for run blocking i don't know what better means you know what i mean it, <laughs> not it's, the it's, worst in the league right right still below average though cuz <laughs> yes. they were just horrible oh, yeah. the beginning of
2: the season very bad i mean they have been they've been even now even when they've been better they're not very still, good it's still not good no. um just to quickly go out well, crap I got to sign in all right I won't be able to quickly give it to you which means let's play the best sound from yesterday AJ Cole the Raiders punter oh so he has he the, was he excited to be fumble, with the media has the big hit on the on the punt return forces the fumble Raiders get the ball back here's AJ Cole yesterday
0: yes I think I uh that's an excellent question I think I got more credibility from that hit than any other play in my entire career uh and what's funny, too, so I, I'm having these constant two arguments with Daniel and with Trent, kicker and snapper. So my argument with Daniel is if me and Daniel got in a street fight, who's winning in a fight? He thinks it's him. He's wrong. And so I feel like I put some credibility onto that. And then the other argument that I constantly have with Trent, Trent's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. If we fought f- straight up, he would win. But if we went into a wrestling competition, me and Trent, with he had no thumbs. Who would win? That's when we're getting into a lot. So I feel like, and I always ask guys on the team, like, who do you think would win in a wrestling match, me or Trent with no thumbs? So I feel like I got a little bit of credibility in those <laughs> arguments, which is going to be big for the next couple of weeks.
3: Okay, I will tell you when they announced yesterday, because what happens is you go to practice and you ask who's available, and they, it's always Bisacci and Carr on Wednesday. But then there's always two to three more players, and they said Kenyon Drake and, and AJ Cole, and everyone's like, "Yeah, oh, the punter," but yeah, he made the he made the he made the tackle but we all said he will be the best because he'll be so excited to be in there. And one of the PR people said, Oh, you should have seen how excited when we told him he was talking to the media. (laughs)
1: Like
3: he was so jazzed
0: that he was coming in to talk to the media. I have requested exactly three players, (laughs) the punter, the long snapper, and the kicker, the kicker. So
2: (laughs) I want to be AJ Cole's teammate when he comes up and asks. all right, man, (laughs) If Trent Siege the Long Snapper didn't have
0: thumbs, could I beat him in a wrestling match? I mean, I have so. Is it bad that I have follow up questions? Like, is this Olympic wrestling? I believe, yes. I am under the impression it's Olympic wrestling. Greco. Yeah, wait, wait. If it's a Greco Roman, (laughs) are they both nude and oiled up? Sumo.
2: Like, and I love the idea. Where did AJ Cole get, like, okay, you could definitely beat me straight up. But if I took your thumbs, I've got you. Like, how did he settle on, I'm taking your thumbs? Wouldn't the long
3: long snacker have have the best thumbs on the team? Because you're grabbing the ball so hard?
2: I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to guess. I'm with you. why would you say, I'm taking your whole arm? Like, why did he go to (laughs) thumbs? (laughs) Well, I mean, if you can't
3: beat him with arms. (laughs) Without arms, and it's it's not a fair fight. Thumbs on a long snapper might be just enough for him to get him.
0: Just enough. Yes, I think he well, does. He, he doesn't probably, have thumbs. He, he can't m- grab anything. <laughs> he may have started. Well, of course he can. He can. He I can, think if you take you seal, you seal, grab, you clap. I think if you take like anyone's thumbs, AJ Cole's winning them. It would the be
3: difficult.
2: Match. You don't have thumbs.
3: You can't. It'd, like, it'd be difficult to beat him without thumbs.
2: That is one of the things you still that makes have legs. our species better than like every other species on this planet. We have opposable
0: thumbs. It is one of our main advantages. That's right. It's a massive advantage. We can pick things up.
3: Who wins between him and Carlson? Uh, I think with that tackle, I'm kind of going with that guy. Right.
2: So I don't know if you knew this. Daniel Carlson is 6'5. AJ Cole is 6'4. Like Ooh. these are two big,
3: these are big dudes. Punters and kickers. Daniel Carlson's
2: 6'5? Yes. AJ Cole's 6'4.
3: Punter being tall doesn't surprise me. I'm surprised Daniel Carlson's 6'5". They're both very big. I mean, the Raiders do
2: love
0: big kickers.
2: <laughs> I yes. okay. I have not seen Daniel Carlson do anything. I don't know that he's had the opportunity, but I have seen A.J. Cole light a guy up and force a right. fumble. I have seen that. I don't know when I remember Daniel Carlson making a tackle. We'll have to look and see, but I don't remember when Daniel
0: Carlson made a tackle. So at the moment, A.J. Cole's got the edge. I will say, who does who does actual like proper kickoffs? Like who does the like the kickoffs, not the punts or and not the field goals, but like who? who? Daniel Carlson. Daniel, Daniel Carlson. Carlson does because a lot of times the actual the punter for some reason right. does the yeah, kickoffs. No, Carlson, no
3: Daniel it. Carlson.
0: Okay, so have we never have? Been, are the Raiders well? Rich Versace, is there special? Has he never had to do the free safety thing of okay, all right, he's I'm the last line that's, of defense. That's what
2: I'm thinking. I can't well, remember. Him having to make a tackle, I'm sure he has, but I don't. I don't remember. They practice a, a moment.
3: it because uh, I think it was Adam Hill, and you know Adam was like hoping for some kind of a at least funny or snarky response. Asked him yesterday, hey, you know, what'd you think of the tackle? You know, is AJ Cole one of your better tacklers? And we we're expecting a funny response. I think Besacchi's like, you know, we practice those things. But. <laughs> We were kind of just having <laughs> fun with you on that because your punter laid someone out and caused a no, Rich like, wanted uh, the credit. Yeah.
2: He was like, that's damn yeah, right. We practice practiced that practiced all that. the time. We're ready for AJ Cole to go down there and make tackles, which, by the way, you probably shouldn't have your punter practicing tackling people. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Yeah, we don't have a punter because he got
0: hurt yesterday in practice tackling a guy. I think there's always, isn't there always a, like a third, like, Hey, you're the emergency punter. I do
2: they have that?
0: <laughs> okay. the, Cowboy,
2: the Cowboys were just going for two, even though yeah. they're up by a hundred because their kicker was hurt, right?
3: Yes. So I mean, which bummed me out because I picked up the kicker.
2: Not everybody has. <laughs> what do we what have we had? Chad Ocho Cinco and Indomican Sue? Those are those are the two random position players to kick extra points recently, right? Recently, yes. I was gonna say that. Like it's uh, happened more yeah. often, but I'm just saying, like, and both of those were a long time ago. Yeah. Was it Wells Welker that the Patriots had to do the drop kick on for an extra point?
0: I thought that was, uh, oh, I thought that yeah. was Doug Flutie.
2: Oh, was it Flutie? Oh, I was thinking it happened
0: more recently. Oh, was that Drew Bledsoe?
2: So, I get those two confused. I thought it happened more recently. I thought it happened like in the... I'm on it. I'm on 2011, it. 2011, 12, something like that, where the Patriots are like, yeah, let's have our wide receiver drop <laughs> kick an extra point, because why the hell not? And everybody's like, is that legal? Does that count? You can just drop kick things and you can. Why wouldn't it be legal?
0: 2010, Wes Wilker kicked a PAT. Nailed it. I remember that. Yeah.
2: All yeah. right. But I think that like him, Chad Ochocinco and Andamikin and Sioux, those are the three most recent I can remember of a non-kicker. It punter. was
0: Doug Flutie's drop kick. All right.
2: So Flutie did it too, yeah. But the mo- the three most recent I can remember are Chad and Andamikin and Sioux, and Wes Welker but Welkers was a drop kick, not an actual. And I think they just did that for the hell of it, not because their kicker was hurt. But, yeah, I think every team should have the guy. You should have a, a some random wide receiver or – I don't want him to be a wide receiver. I want it to be a defensive yeah, tackle. Yeah, Indomitian Sue. Yeah, yeah. Like you I'd have, like it
3: to be Richie Incognito yeah, but he's well, never playing again.
0: Well, he's yeah. he's got a hurt calf.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'd be a good, that'd be a bad one, yeah, with the calf.
2: Come on, man. Take it, Richie Incognito, <laughs> out there. Let, let it be like Alex Leatherwood. Be like, hey, best player. Hey, of your that's why we picked you so yeah, high. Good job. You scored a point. All right, coming up next hot takes about UNLV football.
3: Bischoff's briefs. I
2: never realized baseball had so much
3: butt
1: touching.
0: Bischoff's briefs. That's how they communicate.
1: Bischoff's briefs.
0: Like Braille, but with
1: butts. Bischoff's Briefs.
0: Read my butt!
2: We got hot takes about UNLV football. It's going to be great. All I've right, been, been waiting have, all week for this. I have an important question. Do you want to give your hot take today, or do you want to wait till tomorrow? I'm
3: just so excited about the hot take. I'm not sure I can wait another 24 hours. <laughs> but, uh, okay, yeah, so it's this just... will
2: set up well. I'll let you give your hot take first, okay. and then I'll give you mine. All right.
3: My hot take is UNLV will beat San Diego State on Friday night. Three
2: in a row! Yes, three in
3: a row. Um, couple of reasons why. Well, they're playing better, no question. Uh, it is senior night for the Czech Wagon. I think he's going to have a very good game. And I think they can score maybe early. Here's the thing about San Diego State. In really, really good defensively. We saw what they did against Reno last week. But they're always good defensively. They're not a play from behind team because they're not great offensively at all. So... If you're going to beat him, you have to get a lead. Because if let's say San Diego State goes up seven zero or ten zero, I don't think UNLV is coming back. Um, but I think they get the early touchdown. They go over to that slot machine. They ring that baby. It comes they up seven. Uh, it comes up seven zero two. And uh, I'm going to say, little money's gone towards them, by the way. Started at 11, 11 and a half. It's now 10 most places around town. So people are kind of trending towards the Rebels. And I think that's mostly because San Diego State wins games by seven points. They didn't, <laughs> I mean, they, don't, they usually don't blow people out. They, that's what, But here's the thing. It's seven points, and yet you rarely ever get a t- feeling like the other team might win because they're just really good defensively. Reno's pretty good offensively. They, other than Carson Strong's one bomb for touchdown, like, they shut that guy down. So I don't think they're have a problem shutting down Cameron Friel. I just think uh Chucky is gonna have a big game. So there's my hot take. I think UNLV upsets wow. is it number they're number 19 in the in the uh playoff rankings. They're number their top 20 team.
2: UNLV better start getting votes if they knock off San Diego oh, State. Oh man. Three race. Give wins. them a raise. Give them a raise. Beat a ranked team. I'm gonna give them that I mean, if Mel Tucker's, 95 million. If Mel Tucker's getting 10 for 95. <laughs> if this guy beats
3: San Diego State, come on.
2: All right. Here's my hot take. Marcus Arroyo should lose the last two games of the season. Oh, okay. Should not want That's to win these take. two games because the main thing Marcus Arroyo has accomplished so far as the UNLV head coach is lowering expectations. They've won two games. People are feeling good. And you beat San Diego State. Like People are feeling really good. Like Ed Granny over here predicts, or Air Force, or both, you win three or four games at the end of the season. People are going to be excited. But here's the problem for Marcus Arroyo. If he wins four games this year or three, he will have effectively raised the expectations back up to where they were at the end of the Tony Sanchez era. And Tony Sanchez had the bowl game ultimatum, right? He had to make a bowl game. Make a bowl game and you're gone. What was his last year? He didn't make a bowl game and he got fired. If they win four games or three games, that's where expectations will be, right? So we go into 2022 and UNLV football coming off a four and eight season. They won their last four games of the year. Peter team. They're still probably only going to have a win total of three and a half or four and a half going in the next year, right? They're still only going to be projected no, yeah, to exactly. win three or four games. So if they win four this year and then next year they play Idaho State and North Texas in the non conference, eh, maybe they beat them. And then let's say they go two and six in Mountain West play or three and five, you're four and eight, five and seven. If you just had a four-win season and you win four games again, that's not very good. That's just what Tony, that's what Tony Sanchez kept doing. He yeah. kept going four and eight. He had the one, five, and seven season that was sprinkled in there. However, if UNLV loses these next two games and they're two and ten. Four is a huge jump. Next year they go four and eight. Now you've got incremental progress. improvement. Now you're pointing to look at that. Zero wins. Hey, it was a COVID year. Once I got my spring ball in, we got two wins. And then look at that. Year three, we got four wins. We're going to be six wins next year, right? We're taking off. So if you're Marcus Arroyo, you're better off losing these next two games because the bar will still be very low. And all you got to do is get to three or four wins. And that is improvement. And you can point to it and say, look how much better we're getting. Because here's the thing. You win these next two games and you're four and eight. You're looking around next year. You go four and eight again. What are we doing? Well, we got Tony Sanchez 2.0. We got four four and eight coach. That's not good enough.
3: Now I really know why you're blocked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to because if that's
0: the hot take,
2: try to help him out.
0: Lose the lose the next two games. Lose them. Lower expectations. Right. To the point that we can trip over them. This, <laughs> this is Jared's life motto. I'm just
2: trying to apply it to Marcus Arroyo. I'm trying to keep him employed as long as possible know. here. How much
3: it percentage? Really, it
0: is unfortunate. It is my life motto. Of <laughs> set the bar so
3: low that we can trip on it. What is the percentage that you believe my hot take can come
2: true? 25%. Oh, okay. Not bad. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, San Diego State plays... This way San Diego State plays... It makes it a little more likely you could set them, right? They're not a high-flying offense. Yeah, they're not like Boise gonna,
3: back in the day where they're right. going to put up 50 and you're just not right. going to keep up. You
2: have no chance. So the way they play and their their offense is not good enough that you probably, sh- you know, you probably shouldn't get blown out in this game. Right, it would be, be a little bit of a surprise if they lose by, like, three or four touchdowns. Uh But I think San Diego State going to be good enough defensively that any, like, progress we've seen from Cameron Frio recently, we might be looking around saying, eh. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. That didn't go very well for him. Uh, Also, San Diego State's punter is their best player, which is the funniest thing I think I've ever heard. Um, But he's really good. That kid's getting drafted. Oh, he probably. (laughs) And and I don't think we should criticize the (laughs) team that drafts
3: him. Whoever takes that kid in like the sixth or seventh round, other than going, hey, let's take another special teams guy we know we're going to cut. Yeah. I'm taking the punter kicker I, from San Diego State. I think games. so.
2: Like in all, like in series, like we normally would laugh at a team for taking a no, punter, but he bombs seventy yarders. This guy's unbelievable. <laughs> He's so good. Did you see Brian Dutcher's answer? He's so good that Brian Dutcher got asked, hey, about the team making not making threes. And Brian Dutcher was like, well, if we keep shooting like this, I'm going to go get Matt Ariza, <laughs> see if he can pump one in for us. And he probably could. He probably could. He's re- he's unbelievably good. Like, we'll have to look up some of the stats for tomorrow's shows about it's insanity. How, many, how many, like, He's got he's got more 80 yard punts than the rest yes. of the country has or something yeah. like that. He's got more 60 yard punts than anybody in the history. And he kicks field goals. Yeah, he's he's unbelievably good. Like, but it's your punter. It, right. It's not usually a good thing when he's your best player. No. But they are ranked, and so UNLV will probably be starting from their own four yard line more often <laughs> than not. Is what we're getting at here. So you start from your own four. You're playing a above average defense. I don't it's think hard. UNLV scores enough points to actually win this one, but it's possible because San Diego state might only score 21. Yeah. Like it, they might right. get to 17 and I mean, UNLV might only get seven out of it, but it's not like you got to score a bunch to win. It's a, it's a game where, Hey, if you get one fluky pick six or something like that, like that, you win the game. Right. You, you, that, right. that could be enough to flip it here. Whereas, you know, some of the other good teams they've played, if they had one fluky play. Yeah. If they had, had a pick six against Nevada, they probably st- they don't win the game right. still. But if it happens in this one, that's the type of thing that, changes it so I think they got a shot but they shouldn't want to win well the players should want to win but I think for Arroyo's long-term health because the, here's the thing these two wins mean nothing like they mean absolutely nothing i like, sure you feel good about yourself there's no difference in a two-win season and a four-win season none whatsoever this year so these wins mean nothing and it's more important to set yourself up for success by lowering the bar unless we get relegation yeah. Well, Jared, Jared pitched us on relegation yeah. yesterday when you were gone. Relegating, In terms of? Relegating college football teams uh, down to FCS and calling FCS teams up when they're good. Yeah.
3: If two the, wins would put them down.
2: Well, it, it would make they would make those last two
0: games really right. important. They'd need to win one of these last two more <laughs> than likely. Do Be you want to say, like, not just bowl eligible, but, like, just you can go to a bowl theoretically. Yeah. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap.
2: We can provide you with a wine-tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's
3: Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a
0: drink? I, I like that intro. You Have I missed it? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Is it even that new? Nope. where
2: have you been
0: i made it in january of 2021 oh and i leave on wednesdays for testing so i must be here on thursdays hey jr have you heard that
1: intro before i have uh, many a time actually (laughs) since january of 2021
0: (laughs) i alternate them Oh, well, that that must yeah. be it. He oh, that, yes, okay, that's, that's, that's what's All confused right, okay. him. And in 2022, <laughs> we'll have three of them and they'll start alternating. <laughs> oh, Ed's going to be out of it. He's going <laughs> to, next December, we're going to be, Ed's
2: going to be like, oh, I like that <laughs> one. You're like, that's, the, that's been in for a year. That's
3: after we uh, come up with the huge show announcement, JR. It's a secret, but you're going to like it.
1: Okay. All right, the yeah. huge show announcement, and I'm going to like it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this. You should be. We do have a big show announcement, hopefully. <laughs> Which we hopefully.
2: have no
3: idea when it's going to be made. <laughs> hopefully. All
2: right, JR, I have a question for you that might make me sound stupid, but I saw a TikTok, uh, and it was a guy pouring alcohol, and he was talking about, like, counting to four for an ounce, and mm-hmm. that bars will, like, test you on that to see how good you are at that before you become a bartender. Is that real? And do bars actually test their bartenders? Hey, count to four when you pour this to have an ounce.
1: Okay, so yes and no is the answer to this question. So, yes, there is a real way of you know using your count um, it, it, to pour an ounce or an ounce and a half or two ounces. Um, for me, it was it was a four count. But for some bartenders, it's longer because it all depends on how fast you count, right? <laughs> if I count one two, if I count one two three four, that's not an ounce. It, but I used to count in my head. One, two, three, four ounce, right? And then, so it's so six was an ounce and a half, and eight was two ounces in my head, the way that I counted. Uh, Bars will test you on that, yes. Uh, But they're not going to count your count, or they're not going to test your count, per se. They're just going to look at the finished result. They don't care how you get there. If you count to 100, (laughs) they don't care, uh, as long as you pour an ounce. But, yes, you will be tested on that. Um, some of the major chains are ones that are really sticklers about it. They'll ch- they'll test some bartenders once a week. Sometimes it's once a day. Sometimes it's random. Uh, but they just want to make sure that you're you're not overpouring. It's a way to keep their their pour costs in check. Nowadays, um, I see it less so. Um, but it, it really is usually affects a lot of newer bartenders because they're still kind of gauging their their pours, um, and, and it's easy to overpour. You're not necessarily doing somebody a favor by pouring you know if somebody orders a a crown and coke you're not necessarily doing a favor by pouring four ounces of crown in there because the drink doesn't i mean taste as good necessarily you know it's just whiskey with a splash of coke (laughs) if that's what you want that's what you'd order um you know so you're you're kind of looking for a specific ratio uh so they they will test it we 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 charge so much now for drinks and it will be continue. it'll continue to go up sadly um but you know it's it's if I poured an ounce and a half or an ounce um, and a quarter and I'm supposed to pour you an ounce, like the, the the company's not losing a ton of money unless I do it like literally every single time.
2: Uh does every I don't know what they're called, the little metal spouts that are on bottles?
1: Mm-hmm. Do, pour do, spout.
2: do they all pour the same speed? Like I have to imagine there's like some that are defective or some that are better or worse and it's gonna screw up your count.
1: Yes. So, good, good question. Uh, the, the, depending on the size, they will they should pour at the same size. However, um, you have to take into play the viscosity of the liquid that you're working with. So, if I have a, a pour spout on a bottle of uh, vodka, uh, it will pour faster than if I have that exact same pour spout on a bottle of, let's say, Baileys, right? Because the viscosities are different. Their sugar contents are different. So, it will generally pour a little bit slower out of something that is naturally thicker as you'd imagine. So you do have to adjust your pork count depending on what you are pouring out of it.
2: Do you know how much I love that you use the word viscosity? Oh,
1: this you is, like that? This I is like... amazing.
2: I, this is, it's probably not that many people are that interested in the viscosity of vodka versus Bailey's, but I like that word a lot,
1: but you are. I love it. I, yeah, I, I love the word viscosity mouthfeel viscosity are two big ones that I like to use, especially when I'm tasting or, Pouring spirits, for sure.
3: Do you have one of those pourers at the house with that weird bar you have set up?
1: I do, and it's actually, like, I have some that are gold, and I have some oh, that are uh, <laughs> copper. Uh, so, yes, I, oh. I do have them.
3: You don't, like, do and, it when you're, like, alone at the house, right? You just pour your drink. You're not out there, like, oh, no, yeah. measuring.
1: Uh, no, you, so when I'm ma- it depends on what I'm making, right? <laughs> if I'm just pouring a whiskey or a latte Jeez. or something, or, uh, a bourbon neat, then no, I'm not measuring it, Right. But if I'm making a cocktail, yeah, I'll measure it. I, 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 I want to make sure that the drink that I'm drinking is of quality and the best I can possibly do. Or if I'm making it for a guest at my house, I want to make them the best possible drink I can, especially you know, after being on this illustrious show, the, the expectations are set so high. Uh, you know, I gotta, you know, if I make somebody a drink, they're like, oh, God, you're the guy here on the radio. You better be good. You know, so I can't let you guys down. I do it for you. I do it for you know, the, the, the show. I do it for everybody.
2: All right, important question, because you said you have some that are gold and some that are copper. Are you about to tell us that, yeah, when I use the copper one, it picks up certain hints and adds a little bit of flavor? Uh,
1: no, I'm not okay. about to tell you that. I'm okay. just, it, it looks better <laughs> on a bottle. It's fancier. So uh, I oh, that is the only reason to have those is because it looks fancy, and that is, that is it.
0: Okay, so you were talking about the viscosity and... I, I'm genuinely curi- like curious, whenever you're working through a cocktail, do you ever decide, all right, well, we're doing this layered because I can't keep these two things, like I can't keep them mixed together in a consistent way?
1: Um, I've never, not necessarily thought about it that way. Uh, there are certain things that you just know, like this is, if you try to mix, like if you tried to mix whipped cream into a drink, <laughs> right? It, it's gonna like be chunky and, and gross going to look funny right because the first thing you're looking at a drink you're looking you you drink with your eyes first and if you have this drink that has beautiful whipped cream on top of it you'd be like "Ooh, that looks delicious but if i took a spoon and i tried to like stir it in it was clumpy and gross you're looking what the hell's that i don't want that um so so you know unless you know that it's not going to mix well you generally will just you know try to keep it separate
3: all right thanksgiving next week i know you had a halloween one so what do you got for thanksgiving
1: yeah, Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, I, I always make a drink for Thanksgiving because – and I always do it with wild turkey because wild turkey seems to be the the perfect brand, right, turkey and turkey on the turkey day uh, to, to use. Now, oh. the drink that I'm going to make today is a classic cocktail. It's called Award 8. It's a very simple drink to make. Um, it's generally made with rye whiskey, so I chose to use wild turkey 101 rye. Um, and, and I like to teach – as much I can on the show, you know, the, the drinks that are classic cocktails that you can make for yourself at home because a lot of classic cocktails like the Old Fashioned and the Manhattan, et cetera, they're very simple. There's, there's not a lot of what people would deem to be this, like, over-the-top mixology. You can really do a lot of great classic cocktails for yourself at home. Um, and so this particular cocktail utilizes Wild Turkey 101. Um, it's going to be a shaken cocktail, and it's going to be served in a cocktail glass. Um, you're going to mix two ounces of wild turkey rye uh, with a half of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, a half of an ounce of fresh orange juice, and basically two like teaspoons of grenadine. Um, now, you can use like a roses grenadine, which is the kind of the bright red grenadine. You'll find that. That's the least expensive option. You may even have that in your liquor cabinet at home. Um, or you can use a really high-quality high grenadine, which I like to use, which I, um, I'll use in the video that I post later. It's called Liquid Alchemist. What people don't understand is grenadine, right? People always say, like when I was behind the bar, people always say, oh, um, can I get some of that cherry juice, right? And grenadine is not cherry juice. Grenadine is pomegranate syrup. And so if grenadine and pomegranate syrup for the holidays, Thanksgiving in particular started off for us, I guess, it kind of works perfectly. So that's why I chose the Ward eight. Um, A high-quality grenadine syrup, like Liquid Alchemist, will use pomegranates. And and sugar, essentially. It's two simple ingredients. You can even make it for yourself at home. If you go buy, like, some wonderful pomegranate juice and uh, mix it with some syrup or with some sugar over heat, you can make your own grenadine, in effect. Um, It's very simple to make. So, just two teaspoons of that. Add all of the ingredients together, shake them, strain it into a cocktail glass, garnish it with Luxardo cherries, like the beautiful um, cocktail cherries that you'll see us use a lot of the time. Um, but if you if you don't have those at the house, you can also just use a peel of orange and kind of express the the oils of the orange over the drink., uh, the reason I like it so much, not only because it's themed in the fact that you're using wild turkey, but it's themed in the fact that we're gonna use a little bit of pomegranate for the holidays, but I also like it because you can batch this drink ahead of time and you can you know, kind of shake it and strain it as you go. So if you have a lot of guests at your house for the holiday, um, you, you can, you're, you're able to bake this drink ahead of time in a pitcher, keep it chilled, put some in a, in a shaking tin and, and shake it up and serve it to your guests as they arrive or as, as you see fit across the, as across the dinner table. Um, but it's, it, you can do it ahead of time. You don't need to make this drink, um, a la minute or a, at the moment you, you can make it way well ahead of time. Um, but of course I know, you know, Tyler's going to bust my chops, but using fresh juice is the key. Um, <laughs> using, you. Using fresh lemon juice and fresh orange juice makes this drink a thousand times better. Um, it just—it just—it's it just, just a better product, and you can adjust it too, right? If you taste it the way that I just described it, um, or when you watch the video later that I'll post on the on Instagram, if you feel like, hey, that when I tasted that, it's a little too sweet or it's a little too sour, or you know, you can adjust it as you see fit. You can add a little bit more of the grenadine syrup. It's just replacing. The, the simple syrup, this is just a, essentially a fancy whiskey sour. That's essentially what this drink is. You're taking a little bit of lemon out of the drink and adding a little bit of orange juice. And instead of simple syrup, you're adding grenadine, which is also a, uh, a sugar syrup, and, and, and making it just a variation of a whiskey sour that we call the Ward 8 cocktail. It was created in the early 20th century, um, and, and it's, it's kind of like the Boston area's major contribution, one of their major contributions to the, the classic mix- mixology uh, seen, but it's an easy drink that everybody can make for themselves at home and something that you can enjoy for the holiday, for Thanksgiving with your family.
2: All right. So we we've, if we've got people calling grenadine cherry juice, like what's like the most ridiculous thing somebody has called some sort of ingredient that you had no idea what they were talking about?
1: Oh, man. Um, ingre- called an ingredient that I had no idea what they were talking about. You like like mislabeled it?
2: Yeah, like like guess, grenadine being called cherry juice. Like not knowing somebody didn't know what it was actually called and they were trying to describe it to you and you just the <laughs> communication uh failure.
1: Man, that's a good question. I, I have to think about that. I mean the one that comes off the top of my head is really the one of the biggest ones is, is grenadine. Like people always say, Can I get some cherry juice? and I'll reach for cherry juice. Right. And you know, in the <laughs> in the in the in the garnish tray, there's always like those 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 bright Bright red cherries that are there—that the cocktail cherry that uh, usually finds its way to the top of a Shirley Temple or something like that—and most of the time, a bartender will take some of the juice to kind of keep the cherries um, soaked in something so they don't dry out. That's cherry juice, right? That's not grenadine. Grenadine is completely different. So um, there's there's a lot of you know things in the bar world that are confused a lot of the time. But as far as an ingredient goes, like that was always one. I used to tell people all the time that would come to my bar, they would always ask, like, well, what kind of juices do you have, right? That was always a very popular question. And they would look at me funny when I'd always throw out, like, I have olive juice, you know, I have tomato juice, and I would usually lead with those because it's the most ones that nobody thinks of before they hear their classic cranberry, pineapple, orange. (laughs) Right. But I would always throw out olive. I have olive juice. uh, I have tomato juice, you know, and and give them those. So I, I like to mess with people over the bar a little bit too. I like a Shirley Temple.
3: It's a great, oh, it's a great, uh, great, drink. Follow him on Twitter at Jr Starkus. He's going to have all that up on Instagram at Jr Makes Drinks later today. What's on tap? Liquor World, Southern Glazers, Wine Spirits, Nevada Mixologist. Thanks, buddy.
1: You bet, guys. Have a happy, happy holiday. Yeah, great happy holiday to your you. families. Yeah, thank you.
3: Won't be won't be making that drink because I have no idea if I have
0: any kind of alcohol. Just get the cherry wine. There's these entire stores, some of them uh, even called Liquor World, where you can you can go pick up these ingredients. I think that's kind of a part of the process. Hey, it right. was,
3: a, was a big celebration at the house yesterday because Smiths had the a wine on sale that you unscrew the uh, unscrew the top, and you don't even need a cork. Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> really?
0: Like really? Because they also sell it where you just like rip open some cardboard, and it's got like a knot not too, my friend. <laughs> We've had that too. All right. We got two tickets to give away to the
2: empire (laughs) classic. It's Gonzaga against UCLA benefiting the wounded warrior project. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Gonzaga and UCLA 702-364-1100. They're playing a T T-Mobile arena next week. 702-364-1100. Caller number
0: nine. So I think it was three for four from three tonight. You know, we, we want him shooting that three ball. You know, he, he's gotten better at the, the mid-range in the turnarounds, but we want him to shoot in the three, and everyone against the Lakers make their three. So, I mean, you know, we know he's been working on it, but that's a shot that we're living with. You're locked in the press box.
2: Congratulations to Jeffrey. He won a pair of tickets to go see UCLA and Gonzaga. We will have another pair to give away, as well as a pair to enchant Christmas out at Las Vegas Ballpark tomorrow on the show, we'll also have the Porta Subs tailgate tray, and we will only have one hundred dollars in the Dollar Loan Center Friday uh, football a, frenzy because Jason won five hundred bucks for his picks over the weekend.
3: Good job, Jason! Uh,
2: he had the Titans, Packers, and the Chiefs—all three won. Packers with Aaron Rodgers. He had the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, uh, and he won five hundred bucks. So so far, our Dollar Loan Center Friday football frenzy—ten weeks in—we have only had two winners, both have won five hundred dollars.
0: So we have yeah. had
2: uh, impressive losing streaks until we get to five hundred bucks.
0: So yeah, so basically what we're telling you is, if you call in and you try to win a hundred dollars, maybe don't. Yeah, maybe wait. So just just to let you know, in the eight
2: weeks that we have not had a winner, right? Uh, Julio won five hundred bucks in week five. Jason won five hundred bucks in week ten. So in weeks one through four and weeks six through nine. They have combined. Our, our callers have combined to only get six games oh, right, and it's no spread. Weeks. No spread. They're just picking winners. They have only gotten six of the uh, what would that be? Twenty four games yes. right that they have tried to predict. That is impressive. Atrocious. Bad. It's impressively <laughs> atrocious. So it also means that Julio and Jason have combined to get six right. They've gotten their, combined to get weeks. as much as
3: the other yeah.
2: uh, eight. So we'll have a hundred bucks to give away tomorrow. With our lone center, Friday football frenzy. All right. You ready for me to be excited here? Bob Nightingale. Now that the Houston Astros have Justin Verlander back, they are being ultra aggressive in their pursuit of center fielder, Starling Marte oh, world series confirmed.
3: This is what you want. What if you could get Starling Marte and Chris
2: Taylor? Uh, they won't, but I would very much enjoy that. <laughs> um, They will t- apparently try to sign one big bat and Starling Marte would be that, and the Astros are going to win the World Series. All right. So it's done. Well, 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 if they get Starling Marte, even though everything Bob Nightingale tweets, somehow the opposite always ends up happening.
3: Boy, that guy takes so much grief on he does. Twitter. He it's
2: does. almost
3: like I got to the point where he got, took so much grief, I wanted to tell the people who tweet back at him,
2: you need to get a life. <laughs> the problem It's not ever his reporting, though. It's like he'll just randomly tweet, like, this team has won eight of their last nine And then immediately the team loses five straight. (laughs) I'm just,
3: he was the one who said Trevor Bauer to the Mets.
2: It's done. Oh, was he? Yeah, Yeah. he said it's done. Eh, Not ideal there. So, yeah,
3: wouldn't have been ideal for the Mets. Didn't end up
2: being ideal for the Dodgers either. Ideal for anybody. (laughs) So, there you go. Starling Marte, ultra aggressive. The Astros are after him. Very exciting. Very exciting. They're going to win the World Series. I haven't seen the
3: Dodgers be ultra aggressive yet. I'm not happy.
2: You're not happy.
3: No, and then who are they going to be ultra aggressive about?
2: To be fair, nobody's been aggressive.
3: Not yet. Yeah,
2: I mean, what is Justin Verlander the biggest free agent signing right now? Like Noah Syndergaard went for twenty-one million, Verlander two years of twenty-five. Like nobody else is, and. And the thought process is there's gonna be a lockout on December first oh, and true. none of the none of the big names wanna sign.
3: My thought process is, is the the number for the pitchers being set and Scherzer's going, Yeah, okay.
0: All right. Twenty five <laughs> for him with the bad arm. I'll uh, take thirty. I'll take thirty. <laughs> My question is, don't we have two former NVPs just like sitting there waiting to sign? Chris Bryant? And Javi Baez? Yes. Ah, uh, yes.
2: yes. Yeah, like that just
0: like And nobody
2: Nobody yeah. i I don't think any. I don't think any of them. Well, Marte might be the biggest name that signs before the the lockout. Lockout, and then presumably they don't actually lock out the season. But yeah, that he'd be the one that apparently seems the most likely. But I would lockout. All
3: business stops.
2: Yeah, yeah, all major league transactions stop. stop. Apparently, you can make minor league transactions, but all major league transactions stop. So once, if December 1st comes and there's not a new CBA by December 1st, which it doesn't appear then there Scherzer will be. and these guys can't sign. Nobody can sign until they sign a new CBA.